And welcome to episode six of Keep Honking, the Vietnam Swans podcast. Uh, pretty happy today. We're going to be breaking some, some new ground. Our first ever female guest on the podcast. Uh, if you are listening, make sure to subscribe wherever you found this podcast so that you can catch all upcoming episodes. Uh, once again, my co-host, possibly not with, with the most this time, He's a little bit worse for wear, I fear, from coming to us from uh, Taipei. How are you doing today, Rocket? Yeah, it's good, Billy. <clears throat> a little bit deeper in the voice this morning <laughs> due to a, a couple of beverages last evening. So, uh, yeah, but great. Great to be here on a Sunday. Been to church, so ready thanks. to go. Thanks for dragging yourself out of bed to, uh, to join us. We did have to delay a little bit to accommodate Rocket, but uh, great to have you with us. Enough. So our, our guest today is a very unique person in, in the footy club's history, um, Maz Scanlon, who is the, the very first ever female life member of the Swans. She's also someone who paved the way for the early development, not just in Vietnam, but in Asia, in the AFLW space. Now, I've been trying to think for the last few days what we could refer to, to Maz as. I considered maybe the auntie the grandmother, the mother of, uh, of women's football in Vietnam. And I wasn't sure, so I asked her, and she told me she's, she's pretty much Peggy O'Neill, uh, who's the Richmond president. Now, I, I, think, I think that's, uh, that's selling yourself short, Maz. Uh, Peggy O'Neill hasn't done anything um, comparatively. So, so welcome to the podcast, Maz. Thank you for joining us from Lockdown, Melbourne. Woo! Thanks for having me. I, I'd like to um, edit that. Maybe I'm like the Roberta Williams, like the the underworld matriarch of. Uh, That's more like it. Actually. That is far, yeah, far, a far better fit. Um, yeah. So the the power is what we're trying to get at. So <laughs> That's exactly it. How how is how is the lockdown treating you? Oh, it's great. Um, <laughs> There's very little going on, um, I'll be honest. Um, yeah, there's really so little to say about it. Like it's, it's kind of, it's good to not really be catching up with anyone because there's nothing, <laughs> there's nothing going on. <laughs> so luckily for you, I have heaps of time on a Sunday to be doing this. Yeah, true. Um, okay, Maz, let's jump straight into it. Now, let's sort of wind the clock back a little bit. Why Vietnam? And how did it all come about, you ending up in, uh, in the wonderful country of uh, Vietnam? Well, it was, uh, I moved in 2013 and I went, I, I kind of had always had an interest in living in Southeast Asia, which I think stemmed from my love for The King and I as a child, um, a great Rodgers and Hammerstein movie set in Thailand. Um, but I got a position with the Australian Youth Ambassadors for Development um, Volunteer Program, which oh, nice. I think quite a few Swannies have ended up coming through. Um, so, yeah, I moved over there with Dan in 2013, um, originally for a year, and then, you know, did the typical Vietnam move of staying for five years. <laughs> yeah, that is the standard move. A couple of people <laughs> we've spoken to is pretty much that's the same story for pretty much everyone we've talked to. So, which yeah. is it's a common common theme appearing through this. 
So, and yeah. then, then more importantly, I guess I'm, I'm hoping your introduction to the to the Vietnam swans was a bit smoother than mine because I had to deal with this other buffet on the podcast here in Bill, and, and it, was, it was quite uh, a debauchery type introduction. But how did you find out about the footy club? So we, I remember before we moved over, Dan kind of looking up for some amateur footy clubs because, you know, he had started his career at the age of 31 and had to keep it going. Um, <laughs> so we'd stumbled upon the Swans. I think he'd sent a message and it might have been Bill that replied and said, yeah, yeah, come on down. So. But, you know, no, de- no details of where or when to come on down. Um, but I think about two days after we got to Saigon, we ended up down at the Spotted Cow. I think we were literally told, if you just go to the Spotted Cow at any <laughs> time of any day, you'll, you'll run into someone. Um, and we actually met Nico, was the first person that we met. So we were having a couple of beers with Nico and he said, yeah, come on down on Saturday. Um, so we went down, I think, for like Dan's first training. I was just hanging around in the sun. Um, and then the week after was Ladies' Day, which was obviously a great... <laughs> introduction I didn't know anyone um and got absolutely hammered I remember just drinking so much white wine having a great old time getting home before the spotted cow and Dan trying to say to me he's like are you sure you want to come along I was like yeah yeah, it'd be great um and then just before we left to go to the pub (laughs) I realized just how bad an idea it was for me to go anywhere and stayed at home I think Dan was quite happy about that, that he got to <laughs> meet everyone without me there for the first time. Um, did you yeah, have any did, coming down? I think. Did you have any interest in footy? Like, in just like, before you moved up, were you following the footy back home? Or yeah, I was always like big into watching footy. Um, I'd done a little bit of stuff, like very little, but like a bit of helping organise some things at um, you know a, a, probably the worst club of all time in Perth. Um, yeah, I just like footy. I think. I don't think I'd ever done any umpiring, but I just had this interest in the power of the whistle um, and, you know, realised that maybe Vietnam could be where that could happen for me. That starts to align, that starts to align beautifully to the Roberta, uh, Roberta <laughs> phrase earlier. There's, yeah, I'm saying exactly. The yeah, yeah no, no, nice. <laughs> Very nice. And first impressions, I guess, first impressions, I guess, well, <laughs> the ladies' day. Now, what was the first impressions of the ladies' day? Let's, let's drill down a bit here. I remember... Not a lot. I do remember an Andy G um, rev up speech, which was, you know, something along the lines of just do it for the girls. You know, we've got all the girls here and the girls are watching. Like, come on, let's do it for the girls, um, which was hilarious. Do you, know, do you know who we were playing that day? 20, I can't remember. Was it Thailand? Yeah, I think be. it might have been. No, Hong Kong maybe. Anyone, no. who's, anyone who's never been to a Vietnam Swans Ladies Day, it's uh, it's a typical home game at RMIT. But we just we just add about sixty bottles of the cheapest wine we can buy, and it's free for any female. And if the females don't drink it by three quarter time, the males can jump in too. And that's that's Ladies Day. Yeah, I'm off. I'm off to tap into Andy G there. That, that, that inspiring. Do it for the ladies. I hope he listens to this, Andy G. Because I tell you, I, I, it wasn't I, even I the ladies. It was the girls. Oh, the girls. <laughs> the girls. <laughs> even better. <laughs> so, um, so Maz, over over your time in in Saigon, plenty of things started to happen. Let's say in terms of uh, women's, especially expat women's sport. And you were you were right in the thick of that. Um, 
Firstly, maybe even pre-AFL, how did that all start to pick up? And then how did it move? How did you pivot it kind of towards AFL? And then we'll get on to some of the, the events that, that happened down the track. Yeah, so how did that ball start rolling? So I, it, it's definitely started with Siobhan Sinnott, who got the, the female gales up and running. Um, so the Saigon gales had kind of been pretty stagnant for many years and nothing was happening there. Um, and I think Siobhan might have even been at that ladies' day. I think we had a conversation and she was talking about getting a, a, a female um, gales group going. So that started early 2014. Um, and we just got a bunch of misfit women, none of whom were Irish except for Siobhan, um, played a few games. And then I think I had the idea for a mixed game at Vungtau for Anzac Day. So there was always the um, the All-Stars game. So I threw out the idea of having a mixed game before that. So we got a game up and running. I think it might have been 10 aside, which um, is not the numbers that you want on that field. Um, <laughs> but we got a few of the, the gales along to that. Um, and it was just really fun and, and kind of a lot of interest. I think as well it was really good for um, a few guys that just weren't interested in the, the full speed um, all men's contact AFL. Um, and from there then there was a few mixed international rules games where we did the, uh, the hybrid of Gaelic and AFL. And then I think it would have been the end of 2015 that we did the first um, nines series. Yeah. So we had, I was really surprised with that, kind of put out the call of oh, who would want to do like a summer four-round competition, um, mixed rules, uh, sorry, mixed um, gender. And I think we had about 60 people yeah. for wow. the first wow. one. Um, and that was, I think, when, yeah, the momentum kind of started and, and people kind of um, showed that interest in it. And, and it started, I think, to change the dynamics around the club a little bit and just getting different people involved different people coming down to the pub um, and, and kind of changing some of those attitudes around it. We are able to spread that out to uh, the north as well. Like uh, this is it, was it sort of both sort of you branched it out and said not only just Saigon focus, but Hanoi as well. I think at the time the Hanoi branch was very small. So at the time AFL was much bigger in the south and the Gaelic was kind of just starting to develop. And it was the opposite in the north. The Gaelic was really big up there um, and there weren't that many in the AFL. So mm. we still got a few kind of mixed things going, but that tended to be more um, with the Gaelic. So yeah, I, right. I don't think in the time that I was there, there was ever um, a lot of the mixed AFL going on up north. Is that right, Bill? Yeah, yeah, that is. Um, funnily enough, little little coincidence, but in the north, a very similar league to what we were doing in, what was it, 2015, is about to kick yeah. off. Four teams, uh, pretty even split gender-wise, all, all about fun, yeah. getting a lot of the old boys up in Hanoi back on the field and then getting some of the Irish. And it's, it's exactly the same sort of thing happening. But Caro's, yeah. Caro's pretty chuffed on that at the moment. They've got four different uh, franchises and that'll all be interesting to watch but yeah as soon as I saw it I thought oh I've seen that before um, yeah but yeah, yeah. so it's, it's a very similar model popping back up and then during That's that right. time Maz was like uh, who was we who was supporting you because I'm, I'm assuming you would have had obviously hopefully some support to help you drive that oh absolutely I think so Josh Lee was president at the time um, yeah. and he was just all for it um, and I think 
when I had first had a conversation with him about doing the mixed game at um, Anzac Day, he was just 100% for it. Um, that kind of looked a few different ways. He he was really great at kind of financially supporting the Gales as we got going. I think he really saw the value in kind of almost merging the, the female Gales with the Swans. Um, so he helps out a lot with like getting kits and things like that in the beginning. Yeah. Um, Fabo was hugely on board and really, really supportive of it. Um, but then I guess beyond that, like the leadership, so Andy and yourself, Bill, um, were just really big at encouraging it um, with with all the boys. Um, and obviously it was kind of, you know, separate to the Swans touring and training, but kind of saying, well, here's an optional extra thing that we could do that's a bit more inclusive um, and who wants to be involved. Um, and most players really got involved with that. So I think the support was actually great from from everyone, really. There you go. Yeah. Really good. One of the things that um, Josh uh, Lee, most people know him as Littlehead, mentioned at the time was that basically the the real from the from the Swan side, looking back the other way, as this was all unfolding, the reason he was so supportive or so on board was that it, it doubled the scale of our footy club straight away. So not just what we were doing on field, like being able to have the the, the full league in the off-season and things like that. But also every event we had already had this wider audience to, to get it up yeah. to another level. So it was incredible. It really did take the club overnight to a, to a whole new level. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I think that really shone in the first um, grand final day where we got about 30 of the Gales girls yeah. down and it went yeah. wild. Yep. <laughs> so um, one of the... I guess exclamation marks on that period was when we we happened to host the champs in Saigon, and mm. um, what I think started as a bit of an afterthought has turned into probably one of the, the key moments in AFL Asia's history. We had a, a demonstration game for women, and it was great. You know, we had the, the the mixed games, and everyone had a bit of exposure in Saigon. But what it did also was all these. Uh, girlfriends or friends from other countries, even some of the Cambodians heard about it and actually came in specifically because they've been waiting for something like this. So we found all these yeah. little, what do you call it, like sleeper cells in all the other countries that were like, oh, finally, put their boots on, had a run in that game. It was, yeah, I mean, it was just two sides for fun. But from from there, we've really come to a full, you know, most clubs now have a, an AFLW um, team, Champs has has an event. Swans have already won a champs. How how proud do you feel when you look back at that? And and does it surprise you that it that it caught on in the way it has? Yeah, I mean, I guess I don't I don't necessarily see any of that as like stemming from anything that I did. I think it was just I think that momentum was coming with AFLW starting in Australia that yeah. year, um, and you know perhaps. Any country that hosted champs that year might have just it might have just started organically that way anyway. Um, I've been so happy to see it growing. I think, like you mentioned before, um, Cambodia were the other team that really got on it um, at the beginning with us. So we had that champs yeah. game, and then in 2017 we went over for the Cannonball Run, um, and we had the first ever international women's game. Yeah. Um, and what I loved about that was that that was the main game. So the men played the curtain raiser and then we did the, the women's game. Um, and I think what I just loved seeing about that was 80% of the Cambodian team were Khmer girls um, yeah. and they were just loving it and giving it everything. Um, so, that yeah, I think that was really special 
um, to see and just, yeah, to see the way it's grown and how it's kind of almost become its own thing is, yeah, it's really great. Yeah, I think you undersell the the role that all that that had. But um, now you you then, uh, pre, pre the women's movement taking off in your last few years in Vietnam, plus that last couple of years where you're actually travelling to play some games and you were on plenty of football tours. Can you tell us... Um, <laughs> You don't have to identify your best tour. You could tell us about a couple, but any special tour moments that, that spring to mind? Um, I loved, I really loved a lot of the domestic trips. Um, da Nang in particular, I think the, the two years that we did the Da Nang tournament was great, kind of doing that. I think there's always that um, issue when one team is travelling that, you know, someone's kind of got the home ground advantage and, you know, they're in their city. Um I think Da Nang eliminated that. Having, you know, for those that don't know, we had rugby, we had netball, we had um, basketball. Um, so having all these other sports involved um, was just really, really fun. Um, all the cannonball runs were great. Um, seeing you break into the immigration booths at the border um, was pretty risky. Um, but, you know, they were always a good laugh. Uh, Myanmar, I think, was really great. I really, really enjoyed the Myanmar trip. It was the only chance I got to go to Myanmar while I was over there. Um, so that was a lot of fun. They were all great. Any particular uh, highlights or individuals that stood out uh, on these tours, Maz? I'd say Bill. Bill was always pretty high <laughs> up there. Um, oh, this I is mean, beautiful. Gus, you know, Gus in Thailand being like, actually, everywhere we went, I remember Gus in Vung Tau saying, oh, let's, you know, I'll take you to my favourite bar. And there was a, it was on one of the boot camps, a <laughs> bunch of girls there. And he brings us to the Bearded Clam, um, which was just feral. And we were to see, what? He, and, and then when we got in there, I think he then just kind of went, oh, maybe this was not the right place to bring people to. Um, I feel like Luke Turner always put on a great show. He definitely had a, you know, like, uh, oh, boys good. gone wild attitude as soon as he got on the bus. Um, yeah, I feel like everyone really, really stepped it up at, at the uh, away tours. I could just imagine Gus at the bearded, bearded clam, right? It was cool, right? Be- the bearded clam, you said, Miss? <laughs> yeah. Bearded uh, clam. As he walks in, Gus, welcome back, Mr. <laughs> Gus. Mr. Gus, welcome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Him trying to downplay it. Like, I don't know. I've never been here before. Oh, I could just imagine. Uh, now, I guess uh, it's interesting, and, and we always sort of talk sometimes, uh, Bill and I, when, when we sort of talk to the guests about, especially people that have been in country and then have gone back to Australia. Um, yeah. And I think uh, we, well, as I said, Bill and I have had a couple of chats about it off, off, off the podcast, but it'd be, I'd be really curious to hear your thoughts in terms of, let's say, when, you, when you're playing sport abroad uh, and in Asia, um, what do you think are probably, uh, say, in your opinion, some of the sort of uh, benefits, I guess, of, of doing that, especially, you know, when you're coming from a place like Australia? Um, I think, so for me personally, I, I'm not a hugely sporty person. I, you know, kind of enjoy sports, but I'm, I'm yeah. not, I'm, I'm by no means an athlete. Um, and I think because especially somewhere like Vietnam um, where, you know, there's not that many kind of structured activities where you can meet other people, yeah. um, everyone kind of gets involved in sport. Um, and so you just get a huge diversity of 
abilities and backgrounds and interests. Um, so you really meet people that, you know, you probably wouldn't necessarily encounter otherwise. Um, all ranges of ages I really liked. Um, but I think it's it's that kind of, um, you know, expat community of you're separated from your family and your friends. Um, so you really do just get this kind of support from everyone uh, within the club. Um, and just having, you know, like something every weekend to look forward to. You go down on a Saturday, make your plans for that night. And, you know, I think I, I kind of said before moving to Vietnam that I, you know, wanted to um, not be friends with any Australians and just kind of, you know, like, do something completely different and then you yeah. actually realise that, you know, it's, it's kind of nice to have those those kind of home connections and, and that similar sense of humour and, you know, just being able to, you know, talk crap for, you know, about Australian things. Um, so I ended up actually really, really valuing that while I was over there. Yeah, great. Now, you mentioned before that you, um, you were always a bit fascinated by the power of the whistle and um, yeah. you, you, did, you did have some some interesting umpiring moments while you're here, but you also, <laughs> I, th- I think this is an umpiring moment. I- I'm going to nominate. I, did I, Bill? I'm going to nominate <laughs> one, and then you're welcome to uh, mention any other ones that spring to mind. But the, um, our our signature day of days, the Anzac Day game, um, it was a great day. It's been discussed on the AFL Asia podcast already also from the other side. But you and the, uh, <laughs> in the Indonesian president um, going, going at it all day. Um, one of the more memorable things I've seen in, in Asian football. Um, what, what can you sort of remember from, from that and from any other, um, any other kind of heat of the moment uh, incidents? <laughs> to be honest, I can hardly remember that. I remember it being a thing. Was I, was I umpiring? I think you were boundary I umpiring. Boundary, I think you were, yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, you might have to refresh my memory. I don't know what happened. I'm yeah. sure I was a perfectly respectful person about the whole situation. Undoubtedly. Um, <laughs> I feel like he might have just been uh, giving his opinion and uh, he was a little bit surprised when the umpire was, was, was so quick to, to put him back in his place. Um, yeah, actually, no, I, do, I do remember that. And then I, I think... Andy might have said to me, like, don't yell at the um, uh, don't don't yell at the president. I was like, well, he shouldn't yell at me. <laughs> um, I do remember at the end of the day, though, him coming out to me and being like, oh, I like you. Yeah, you're great. <laughs> I was like, oh, interesting. <laughs> Made a friend. <laughs> um, were, were there any other moments, especially as a as a central umpire, any uh, players that you successfully, um, you know, drove nuts oh, during a game or anything a like few. that? I used to, I guess the ones that would always crack me up would be, you know, your, your Nath Milners and, and your Jimmy Bairstow's who are so polite and pragmatic and lovely off the field. But on the field, just, you know, white line fever and just, I remember Nath, he'd always call me ump. I'd be like, you know my name, mate. So he's like, oh, what's this up? What's this? Um, there was a pretty good... I remember having a couple of good moments with, with Tim Clements because there's one thing I realised, the more I umpired footy, the more I realised how little most players know about the game and about the rules. Um, so it was always fun. I remember there was one where, where Timmy Clements did a, a, um, a kick in after a behind that just, you know, kind of rolled out without going anywhere near a player. 
um, and calling it out on the fall. He was all oh, bounced. I was like, yeah, that's, that's actually a rule. Um, you had a pretty good one, actually, Bill. I remember once in the heat of the moment, me making a call and you turning around and just saying to me, your husband's right about you. <laughs> 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 Which always stuck with me. It's just a perfect sledge. <laughs> not that this, not that, not, not that this podcast about Bill, but Bill, what did you mean by that remark? I have no, no comment whatsoever. No comment. That's heat of the moment. There is one consistency <laughs> though, Maz, and that is that wait, Nathan Milner, old Nate, God bless him, as I say, the real competitor, he still says the same thing. Come on up, didn't use that even and for me as well. It's the same thing. It's like, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's very, he's very consistent. He's very consistent. So since so since so you left Vietnam end of two thousand and seventeen was it seventeen yeah 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 and since then um, I guess uh, the, the obvious question are you missing it and if so what are you missing the most yeah I think this year in particular I'm really missing a lot about Vietnam I think the first year or two I was here I'm I'm new to Melbourne I've never lived here before so you know it's really um, great settling into a new city and loving it. Um, but yeah, I think this year I've really started missing, you know, just little things like, um, the food, the people, um, just the, the kind of community feel around the streets. I think, you know, especially in lockdown here at the moment, um, you're kind of missing that, that kind of community atmosphere that Melbourne's generally pretty good at. Um, and I was, I was watching a, a, um, food documentary the other day on Vietnam and, yeah, it got quite emotional just, you know, thinking about the, the street life and um, kind of the, the way of living over there, uh, the heat. I, you know, wouldn't mind a bit of Saigon weather at the moment because Melbourne's pretty miserable. Um, yeah, so I was hoping to go back for a visit this year um, and head up to Hanoi and, and meet Luke and Ciara's little twins. But, um, yeah, obviously that'll have to I'll have to wait for another day. Yeah. Uh, it's an easy place to, to miss, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Have you been able to play any footy since you've been back back in Melbourne? Uh, yeah, I have. Um, the, I mean, as you know, Victoria is a, is a real footy, uh, footy state. So to get back into footy here, I had to be pretty fit um, and active. So I've gone into the Renegade Pub Football League, which is about as elite as it sounds. It's a bunch of pubs playing 18 aside, full contact, mixed gender footy at Victoria Park. Um, <laughs> it's, it's pretty loose. Um, I represent the Old Bar Unicorns, which are the least competitive team um, that I've ever seen play football. Uh, very much pub before footy um, in that team. Um, but no, it's, it's a really great league to be involved in. Um, lots of fundraising for charity that goes on. Um, and, yeah, I think, you know, my, my time at, at the Vietnam Swans really set me up for the, for the level of footy that I'd be involved in here. <laughs> how, many, how many teams are there? There's nine teams now. So they're all – I think there was eight for a long time and then an, another team came in last year. Um, so all kind of representing live music bars, um, which, you know, obviously are getting a really That's hard cool. hit this year. Yeah. Um, so hopefully, you know, all those pubs and, and that kind of music scene can survive because um, it's a pretty special league um, that we've got going on here. So I recommend yeah. anyone getting down on a Saturday afternoon, if you can, when it, when it kicks back off again next year. 
down at the old Victoria Park, the old yeah, whole Collingwood home ground. There's a few stories in those grandstands. <laughs> Actually, funny did... story, Bill, there, was, there was a couple of guys that came down to the unicorns one day um, and I saw one of them in particular. I was like, he looked really familiar, this big unit, big um, redhead guy. And then I noticed he was wearing a Myanmar fighting cock shirt. And uh, you remember the sword? Yeah yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So him, him and his mate rolled up, and I was like, I'm pretty sure I umpired you guys at like the Indochina Cup in Myanmar one year. They're like, oh my gosh, yeah, you did. Um, so you know, I think it's a, it seems to be a natural um, progression from pub footy in Asia to uh, from, from uh, footy in Asia to pub footy in Melbourne. I was. How, I was often, do you, how often do you? Sorry, Bill. How often do you play, mate? Uh, it's about every three weeks. It depends when the grounds are available. So yeah, right. there was, you know, a real scheduling um, disaster last year where we had to play two weeks in a row and that was fucked. <laughs> <laughs> no, no one in the league is, is prepared for two weeks in a row. So, uh, yeah, that, that hurt. <laughs> don't, worry, don't, don't worry about four-day breaks. Worry about 14-day breaks. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I, did, I did think to myself watching, watching some Facebook photos trickle through that somehow you might have found the one looser sporting sporting league than AFL Asia in, in some of those yeah, photos. Some, yeah. of, some of the outfits are pretty impressive. Yeah, you can kind of, you know, wear what you want. Well, our team does anyway. I don't know if that's actually allowed. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's pretty loose. You know, I think you, get, you, you still get similar things of, you know, people that are quite good that don't want to commit fully to it. Um, but the majority of people in my team, you know, look like they've never seen a ball before arriving which is you know kind of the standard you want to start at which is great <laughs> oh good fantastic all on that then so just picking up on the the good old fighting cocks of Myanmar um which of your uh which who have you kept in contact with so friends back either did you keep in contact with anyone particular in Vietnam or back in Australia when they obviously some of the other crew have moved back to Australia yeah yeah for sure like I said I'm kind of um well, I'm, I'm new to Melbourne. I, I never lived in Melbourne before coming from Vietnam, um, which yeah. has been great because a lot of my Vietnam friends are from Melbourne. So um, Josh Daly and, and Mary Morrison are some really, really close friends that I made over there. Uh, Joe and Chris Salmon still in contact with. Um, Schnitty, who's just moved back to become a pilot, Tom Nitt. Um, so chat to him a fair bit. Um, Timmy Berto, Jace Carter lives around the corner from me. Um, was planning to head up to Canberra and see Bart and Juliet this year. Um, but, again, that's off the cards at the moment. So, yeah, kept in contact with a lot of people and, um, you know, a lot of people I met um, in Vietnam and through the Swans in particular have become, you know, some of my best mates. Yeah, that's great. Fantastic. Uh, now, I want to just sort of delve into, I guess, uh, an accolade that you received uh, recently from the Vietnam Swans. So you are awarded uh, the prestigious life membership. Uh, of the club yeah. um i don't know um uh we i did hear well we obviously heard from you before about what how you felt about it but i guess as i say for the for the people who didn't weren't able to hear your thoughts about that when we when we got when we awarded you the membership life membership how, um what did you think of all that like how did that make you feel or yeah just i'd love to understand your thoughts about that that uh receiving that membership yeah, I, to be honest, I was actually really, really um, shocked and surprised um, when that came through. I guess the surprise started when I got a message from Bill, you know, who I hadn't spoken to in about two years, just saying, hey, are you in town? 
um, <laughs> which I figured meant that you were in Melbourne and you're asking if I was in Melbourne, but I think you just randomly thought I might be in Saigon for the night. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I was, I was really um, humbled and, and honoured to get that. I know from my time involved in the Swans Committee, um, you know, the, the thought that goes into awarding life membership and, you know, kind of the criteria that's looked at in terms of um, time involved and contribution um, to the club. So it really meant a lot to me. Um, I think it was um, really good validation as well of, of how, you know, important the women's thing has become to the club. I think at, at the yeah. beginning... Um, you know, there was, as it was something quite new, I wasn't really sure if it would, um, stick and whether people would actually, um, take it seriously and want that to be, um, part of the club. So, yeah, no, it was, it was a really big honor. Um, and I'm really grateful to the club. Um, and that beautiful speech from you, Bill was, was lovely is, uh, you know, I think when I was in Vietnam, we often, uh, had our differences and I thought that, you know, I was annoying the shit out of you half the time. So it was nice, you know, maybe distance um, really does make the heart grow fonder. <laughs> there's, there's absolutely no doubt. Um, but but I, I would say that that from my perspective, those people that care enough to, to be opinionated about a footy club are the people that, that make the difference. Uh, we've got a few coming to the club this year who I'm looking forward to uh, having some run-ins with over the, the coming few years. So it really is, you know, the people that the people that care enough to dig their heels in and and um, you know get their thoughts across um, make all the difference in the long run. If, if I've learnt anything. Um, so Maz, you're a, you're also a Frio tragic. We had the. Um, Given, given my uh, enjoyment of, of winding you up a little bit, we had the pleasure, from my perspective, of watching the Frio, uh, was it Frio Hawthorne grand final? Uh, yeah, um, yes, mate. It was, it was Hawthorne, Billy. Don't worry. I remember yeah. that one. From, from that moment <laughs> on, you were, you were fairly, um, fairly willing to give some um, reviews <laughs> or rundowns of, of the ability of Ross Lyon to win a Winner flag as as coach. Now, now that Longmuir has taken the reins, how are you feeling about the doctors, the Dockers in twenty twenty, and um, the coming years? Oh, I was feeling great until I watched some of the game yesterday. Um, <laughs> look, I think you know I, I've I've said it once and I'll say it again. I say it every year. Next year, <laughs> next year's the year. <laughs> um, no, I think I think they're looking good. Lots of see, some young guys in there. You know, Nat Fife is still obviously amazing. Um, but also, I just have a feeling that I will die without ever seeing Freya in the flag. <laughs> so, I think being a Freya supporter does um, make you quite realistic about life in general. Um, and I'll just you know keep on riding this train of of hope that seems to go nowhere. Oh, no. Freya to have the. The, sorry, but the Frio team have a women's team? Yes, yeah. And, of, of course, this year we would have won it 100%. We'd beaten every other team. Oh, we're pretty right. much guaranteed to get our first premiership. <laughs> and then a week before they're like, no, nah, we're cancelling it. We're not awarding a premiership to the top team. So that sums up Frio. You know, to a team, I, think. <laughs> I thought that's why I asked the question because I thought Frio were going okay, right? And I thought... Yeah. Oh, hang on a minute. What happened this year? So, yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> Shit. Yeah. Oh, very good. Okay. On that note, on to, uh, for me, the highlight of the podcast. Um, this time, Maz, I have given you these six keywords in advance. I don't know how much how much thinking you're able to do. But it's the Swanee Super 6. Um, 
basically I'll give you give you the words. You tell me which uh, swan reminds you of, of that word from, from your five years with the club. Uh, we'll start out with funny. Luke Turner. <laughs> um, angry. Timmy Clements. Best dressed. <laughs> couldn't name a single like, well-dressed <laughs> one. <laughs> Honestly, couldn't think of one. <laughs> you could say uh, funniest dressed. Go the other I way. mean, Josh Lee in those ridiculous pants, those yellow pants he got yeah. for the grand final that year was um, something I'd love to forget. Yeah, canary <laughs> yellow tights for any, anyone who's struggling to visualise. Um, lazy. Trent. <laughs> so so Trent, Trent uh, true to form, put his hand up for the scratch match yesterday. Uh, then he had... <laughs> I got the apology... Got the apology message at 1, 2 p.m. Started at 10 a.m. He was busy yesterday morning. Um, the, yeah, coach's, <laughs> the coach's pet. I'd say it's a, it was a tie between Chris Salmon and Bart Schneeman. Yeah, very fair. Oh, yeah, that's fair. Yeah. The most annoying. But in, like in a, in a good way. Yeah, yeah. Um, most annoying, Caro, I would say. Again, <laughs> in a good way. But, uh, <laughs> that's brilliant. <laughs> That is brilliant. He's going to love that. Yep. What a, <laughs> what a perfect way to, uh, to finish off the Swanee Super 6. Um, that, that's all we've got time for today. It's actually a perfect length podcast. Maz, I would say thank you for, for giving us your time on a Sunday, but I, I really don't think you had too many other options, um, <laughs> given the lockdown, of course. Uh, Rocket, we do we do thank you very very much for crawling off your deathbed to make this happen. Thank you very much. No, mate. No. <laughs> no, 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 pleasure, pleasure as always, Bill, to hear your dulcet tones. <laughs> um, but but on a more serious note, Maz, thanks a lot for all that you did do for the club, and um, it has been a source of great pride for the Swans that 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 work you were able to work that you were able to get going, especially in the women's side of things, has has enabled us to take another leadership level in, in the growth of footy in Asia. We're all really proud of that. We're all really appreciative and look definitely look forward to your visit whenever that, that can happen. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure to uh, be involved. I miss it a lot. And, uh, yeah, thanks, thanks for having me on and for keeping the work going. Fantastic, Mass. Look forward to seeing Vietnam. Yeah, sounds good. We hope you loved hearing from Mass. She's done so many incredible things for our club, not just in the women's footy space, but in everything that we stand for. We also hope that if you've enjoyed this or any of our previous podcasts, you will subscribe on your favourite podcast app and make sure you catch all the future episodes. We also hope that you will get the chance to experience and enjoy some of our 2020 sponsors' amazing products and services. They are Wide Eye Tours, the best Indochina specialised travel agent, Vietnam Backpacker Hostels, amazing budget accommodation and experiences throughout Vietnam, the Alfresco's Group, the best Western food in Vietnam, both in their many locations and delivery, Beachside Boutique Resort, the best accommodation on Ambang Beach in the world-famous Hoi An. 
the guys at HMS Host International who provide uh, hospitality throughout Vietnam's airports, most notably Burger King and TAL Apparel. Big Jimmy and the team have the very best technologies, fabric innovations to create uh, the best apparel that you could ever get. Support our sponsors, check back for next episode and keep honking. <laughs>